0: I preached my first message 33 years ago. And I know you're shocked when I say, it. you think, how could he be that old? Like, I get it. I think the same thing. But 33 years ago. And there's something that for the first 10, 15, 18 years, I did every time I preached. It was a little bit old school, but I did it every time. And then I stopped because I, st- I started doing messages in a different way and beginning them in a different way. But today, this day, we're gonna do what I used to do because I really felt impressed this week that we needed to, and I'll tell you why. But before I tell you, I wanna invite you to stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word just for a moment because the word of God is our foundation, the word of God is what we base our lives on. And so whether you're looking, whether you have a Bible or an iPhone or an iPad or you're looking at the the screen, This is the Word of God, it's not my opinion, it's not up for discussion, it's the Word of God and it is the foundation on which we build everything in life. There are only two chapters in all of the Bible. Only two chapters, two different themes that get an entire chapter. Only two times, two themes, did God think this is so important. It doesn't just get a verse or a section, it gets a whole chapter, one is Hebrews 11, where the Word of God talks to us about faith, and the other one, the only other one, is 1 Corinthians 13 where God teaches us about love. Scripture says, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, if I speak in the tongues of men or angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And then the ingredients or the qualities, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And then would you please read verse eight with me? Ready, go, love never fails. One more time, love never fails. It's more than words on a page. It's a message from a holy God to your heart and mine and some hearts in this room that may be broken, that may be hurting, that may be struggling, that love never fails. And if it feels like it, it just means it's not over. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this moment. Thank you for your truth. Father, I pray that you would help me proclaim and speak and share your truth that can change hearts and lives. God, I pray in a very real sense that you would get me out of the way, and that you would connect through your spirit with people in this room and draw them to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, please be seated. Leroy Satchel Page was the first African American to ever be a pitcher in the National Baseball League. In fact, he was inducted later into the National Baseball Hall of Fame. Leroy Satchel Page started in what was at the time known as the Black League, and then moved to the major leagues because he was so good. He had a long career. In fact, when he was 60 years old, he pitched three innings for Kansas City. Who's Tom Brady? This man had an immense talent, but, but the one thing he had to deal with, every time he would walk on the field, every time he would walk to the pitcher's mound, the crowd would begin to scream out racial slurs. They would hurl words of, of hate and anger toward him, and somehow it didn't affect his game at all. Somehow he still smiled and he still went back the next week and, He still played at such a level, he made the Hall of Fame. On one occasion, the opposing team, trying to intimidate him, put all four of their strongest batters up front, one after the other. Now, I don't know a lot about baseball, but I've, I've learned some things, and one of the things that I've uh, come to understand is that's not what you do. You put three batters up, then you put a strong batter that can hopefully knock them all in. The first three just try to get on the base, and then you have three more batters and then another strong batter, but, but this opposing team thought we're going to intimidate him, and they put all four strong batters up front. When they did that, Leroy turned to all of his team in the outfield and said, go to the dugout. He turned to first base, second base, third base, those three guys and said, please sit out on the ground right where you are. And then he pitched and struck out all four batters of the opposing team. So when intimidation reared its head, he just stood up taller. He just stared it right in the face and said, no, this is how it's going to be. He had nicknames for his his pitches. One of the most famous was called the hesitation pitch, where at some point in the windup, he would freeze and then finish the pitch and he would do it at different times and it would throw the batter's timing off and he would strike out one batter after another. He always had different things that he said and quotes that he became known for. He said, for example, if you wanna be a good pitcher, keep the ball off the fat part of the bat. He's the one who said, work like you don't need the money. It was Leroy Satchel Page that said, dance like nobody's watching. But his most famous quote, the quote that he became known for, was following a game where the crowd had been especially hateful. The words they had said we would not tolerate in our society today, but that was a different society. And he was being interviewed, and the interviewer asked him this question. He said, "How, how do you do this? How do you come out here week after week and deal with this level of hate, with this level of antagonism? How do you do it? And with a smile, he replied, you've gotta love like you've never been hurt. You've gotta love like you've never been hurt. Have you ever been hurt? Some of you, you've already walked through it and others, you you will. There will be a moment in life, there will be more than one, where hurt invades your space. A moment when you're betrayed, a time when you're lied about, an experience where you're misquoted, and it will create a level of emotional conflict that is both uncomfortable and painful. And often in life, that hurt, that pain, is created by someone you love. And even this morning as I'm saying this, You see the face. You know the name. Your mind has pulled up the person. Maybe the date and the place and the words. It was pulled up by your mind like it's yesterday because it still hurts like it was yesterday. And often it's the people that you love the most. will hurt you the deepest. The Gospel of John chapter 16 says, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. What, What is your trial? What is your sorrow? And who caused it? What happened to bring that level of pain into your life? For some of you, it was horrific and traumatic. For others of you, it was just devastatingly disappointing. But either way, pain is pain and hurt is hurt. And none of us want to live there. None of us want to have to experience that. But life has a way of bringing waves of conflict Moments of offense and seasons of emotional struggle. And this morning, on this third week of Made for More, we're talking about how God created you and God created me for more of a life than what a lot of us live. You're you're, you're made for more. You will never experience the made for more life until you decide to love like you've never been hurt. And that sounds impossible, and it feels impossible, and honestly, it is, apart from the supernatural, it is. So i want to ask you this morning just to have the courage to keep an open mind and consider what love really looks like in your life. What do you do when you have a conflict with someone that you love? Conflict with people you're rarely around. While troubling, we can deal with that. But what do you do when there's conflict with someone you love? How do you live in ongoing emotional pain? Maybe that you're not even creating, but the other person is. As followers of of Jesus, when we have been hurt deeply, when we've been wronged significantly, By someone we love and we're living in that struggle, what do we do? Because there are many opinions today about what to do. It is not hard to read and adapt and bring into our lives the cut people off mentality. But is that always what Jesus would have us do? Is that always the most healing, sometimes necessary, but always? You and I, we know some difficult people. Don't, don't jab him, ma'am, just look straight ahead. We know there are difficult people in our extended families. There are difficult people where we work. There are difficult people that live on our street. There are difficult people in life. And some of you, you look at your life and you think, I, I, just, I just seem to be a magnet toward difficult people. Somehow they attach themselves to me. Somehow they they come around me at the most inopportune times. Seems like there's some people that wake up in the morning and while they're brushing their teeth, they're sharpening their tongue. They're instinctually ready. They don't even have to practice. Instinctually ready to hurt with profoundly painful words and looks that they will hurl your way At any moment, sometimes without notice. What do you do if it's someone you love? Because it's one thing to know what to do. It's one thing to sit in this room. I mean, we're at church. There there are places where you feel like I need to nod my head even if I don't believe it. We've just been through a segment of worship. Don't you value and appreciate deeply our worship team? They do an incredible job. I mean, when you think about it, when you think about it, There is a standard of excellence that they chase because of their love for Jesus and their love for you. You don't find any stands up here with sheet music, giving them the notes. You don't find that. They come prepared because of their love for God and their love for you, and they want to give their best. And I believe that shows every single week, and I am deeply grateful for who they are. In a place like this, talking like this, there are things we know that we're supposed to do but it's very different in the heat of the moment. When someone has just dropped an emotional bomb in your life, I don't know about you, but sometimes it's very hard for me to apply out there what we talk about in here. I think about Joseph in the Old Testament who was thrown into a pit and sold into slavery by his brothers who hated him. And years go by, years go by, and he becomes the second in command in all of Egypt. And those same brothers are standing in front of him and they're they're begging him for help and food and they, they don't even recognize him. Maybe part of the reason they didn't recognize him is because to them who hurt him, to them who wronged him, he would have been more recognizable if he had spent years hating. Maybe because he processed it differently. No less painful, but differently. He was unrecognizable because peace should not reside where hate has been thrown in. Peace should not reside where you've been harmed and hurt deeply. And in that moment, Like Joseph, when you've been hurt or wronged and you're devastated, what can be more powerful than what hurt you is your decision on how to respond. There is one thing that has more power than what caused you pain. There is one thing that is bigger and more powerful than who caused you pain. And you can exact revenge, and you can get them back, and you can try to destroy. That's a natural response. Or you can do what Joseph did. You can choose something that's more powerful than the wrong. You can love like you've never been hurt. And Joseph did that, and he saved not only his family, but he saved a nation. I think about King David in the Old Testament. A a, a man who, growing up, his father didn't even believe in him. His brothers diminished him. His wife disrespected him and mocked even and made fun of how he worshiped. He had a son that would break his heart. He had a father-in-law that would try to kill him. (laughs) You thought your family was jacked up. You think about who David is. Listen, sometimes in life, life is going to smash you in the teeth. It's going to sling the weight of the universe to crush your heart. And when that happens you will have a decision to make. And it will take deep determination if you want to live the made-for-more life. In fact, I want to encourage you this morning as we consider this passage and look at these thoughts, I want to encourage you to decide now so that you don't have to decide later. To make a decision today that will inform the rest of your life, this is how I'm going to handle this. I refuse to become bitter. I will not be mean. Anger will not become my personality. No matter what happens to me and no matter who does it to me, I'm going to love like I've never been hurt. There may be moments in life, maybe for you, it's this moment. That you're trying to find a way to love God like you've never been hurt. It's one thing to decide to love people who have messed up, but what do you do when God's not acting like He's supposed to? Seems like He's not coming through for you. He's forgotten you, He's abandoned you, He's, he's left you. Jesus was betrayed and He was beaten and He was mocked and He was wounded. And he was bruised. And he lifts his voice in that condition to a God, a Father, who could have stopped all of it, but did not. He lifts his voice to the Father. He doesn't wait for the people to request it. He makes a decision. The only decision that's bigger than the pain. The only decision that's more powerful than the pain. And he cries out, Father, Forgive them. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a decision. Forgiveness has the power to rewrite your future. And following Jesus, being a Christ follower, following the example of the one who was ultimate and is ultimate forgiveness is a journey in forgiveness. Father, Father, Forgive them. I'm going to love like I've never been hurt. A decision to love the people who shouted crucify him, the masses. A decision to love the people who would drive nails into his hands and his feet. A decision to love the people who would mock him and beat him. A decision to love even you and me. Knowing what our lives would look like. From the moment we took our first breath on planet earth until today. A powerful decision, bigger than the pain. The decision to love you and me like you'd never been hurt by us or would never be. Forgiveness. Is there, is there anybody you haven't forgiven? Is there anybody That right now, that name, that face in your mind, that situation, those circumstances, is there anybody that you feel like, I haven't forgiven them, but I, I don't feel like they deserve it. What they did to me was so wrong and at a level that was so painful. They don't deserve it. Friend, I'm afraid if we only forgave those who deserved it, I would not be forgiven. And neither would you. And because of the pain that we feel and and the humiliation sometimes that comes with being hurt because maybe you were hurt in a way that it humiliated you in front of other people. Sometimes because of the pride. We cut people out of our lives not even recognizing that God has every right to cut you and me out of his life. But he doesn't. Loving good people is easy. Loving nice people is easy. You don't get the Bucky Beaver Award for loving good people. It doesn't have, anybody can do it. You don't have to know God to do that. But loving difficult people, loving broken people, loving messed up people, loving a broken spouse, loving a messed up child, loving an imperfect parent, loving a selfish friend, we aren't good at that because of the, the pain and the Disappointment. Because we aren't good at it, we don't deal with it. And we let what happened to us become us. Our identity becomes he or she left me and I'm divorced. Our identity becomes I'm mistreated. Our identity becomes I'm lied to. Our identity becomes I'll never have a healthy relationship. Our identity becomes I'm just not the kind of person that can be happy in life, I'm I'm not the kind of person that can have a happy marriage, our identity becomes, I guess I'm just not the kind of person that can have healthy, meaningful friendships. Because see, you relive what happened to you over and over and over again. And it's the only life emotionally you know how to live. You'd stop living the story if you'd stop writing the story. Think about it. God, God did everything necessary to reconcile us to himself. The conflict was our fault. He did nothing wrong. And we broke the relationship. And how did God respond? He loved like he'd never been hurt. He reconciled us. And you might think, yeah, but, but that's God. And I'm just a person. Wait, 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 hold up. Stop discounting the reality of who you are. If you are a follower of Jesus, the spirit of God lives inside you. The power of God is available to you and the presence of God is there for the taking. You've just got to lean into more of God than you do more of you. It's not natural. I get it, listen. We were created to live in a perfect garden in harmony where smooth jazz like huge groove is played all the time and everybody's naked but looks good. And we were created to live in that kind of place. We were not created to have to forgive and we broke it. Forgiveness is essential if you want to live a made-for-more life. But it's not easy. Forgiveness does not come naturally and yet it's the thing that you and I will have to do over and over and over again in life if we want to be healthy and we want to live a made for more life. It is a supernatural thing. It takes the power of God working in and through your life. It's one of the Transcending blessings of being a follower of Jesus, because apart from being a Christ follower, you can't truly forgive at the deepest level. Because deep forgiveness takes more than you and I can bring to the table. And as followers of Jesus, we're we're called to follow Jesus. And if He forgave, we're to forgive. It might not have been your fault. In that situation, you may not have done anything wrong. You didn't break the relationship. I, I get it. We all get it. But what if you responded the way Jesus responds? You've tried anger. You've tried resentment. You've tried isolation. You've tried gossip. You've tried everything else. H- have you tried truly forgiving? Yeah, I did. I, I tried that one time and it didn't work. No, no, no. You misunderstand. You, you misunderstand. Forgiving is rarely a moment in time. Forgiving is more often a journey in life. Forgiving is not something that it's one and done. It is a decision for all time, but it is an emotion that will continue to need coaching. It is a process we will continue to have to go through. It's deciding to love like you've never been hurt. Nitroglycerin is incredibly powerful. It has two purposes. It's used as an explosive substance to destroy things. Or in a much smaller dose, in a dose that's precise, it can heal hearts. Hey friend, your words and your thoughts are like nitro. The words you speak and the thoughts that you entertain can blow your family up, or it can heal broken hearts. The words you speak and the thoughts you entertain and process, the thoughts that you allow to live and take residence in your mind and in your soul, they can blow up relationships or they can heal hearts. But what happens when I've tried to forgive, but it's still there? The pain, the rawness, the wound. Have you ever have you ever experienced drive-by? There are certain places in Orlando where I've had over the years, because we've lived here so long, and I've been a pastor so long, and when you pastor a church, you deal with all kind of broken people, and it makes it okay, because as a pastor, I realize I'm broken too. But, but there are some extra wackadoodle kind of people I've had to deal with from time to time and some extra hateful people. I, I, I can take you on East 50 by the Denny's. I don't know why we went to Denny's in the first place. The setup's bad for the conversation, it's Denny's. But, but we had a meeting at Denny's, and, and every time I drive by that Denny's, I feel a little bit of a sting in my heart because of something that happened 15 years ago. It's drive-by, the house you used to live in, the car they used to drive that you see in a parking lot somewhere. The song. Oh, listen, nothing can take you back like a song. There's something about music. You're in that moment feeling what you felt. Try to forgive but it's still there. And you can, you can begin to feel like there's something wrong with you and that somehow there's a disconnect between you and even God and, and somehow it feels impossible and you don't know how to navigate. And you think, well, maybe other people can forgive but somehow whatever happened, it broke me and I, I just can't forgive. No, you, you can. What do you do when you relive? You forgive. You relive, you forgive. And you do it over and over and over. Remember when Peter came to Jesus and he asked that question, how many times do we forgive seven times have you ever wondered where peter came up with seven well in that culture the religious leaders the pharisees who lived in complete hypocrisy knowing a lot but doing little of what they knew making up the rules to make themselves look better and other people look bad the pharisees said you had to forgive three times maybe peter just said i'm going to double that and add one I i don't know but but he said jesus seven times and he's thinking he's tossing out a number that's pretty dadgum high. And Jesus says, no, seven times 70. 490 times a day. I want you to forgive because, listen. Forgiveness is not about keeping score, it's about losing count. Forgiveness is not about keeping score, it's about losing count. There, there is a product that is probably in every one of our homes right now. Now some of you, you love this product. You put it on everything. Others of you, you just have it, you use it occasionally. It's ketchup. How many of you love ketchup? Like you're a ketchup fan, you put it on everything, steak, ice cream, doesn't matter. It's ketchup. There's a brand, anybody have ketchup? Yeah, you've got some ketchup. Yeah, ketchup. Heinz Heinz 57. Henry Heinz started making Heinz ketchup In 1869, and from 1869 all the way until 1983, you could only get Heinz ketchup in a glass bottle. But in 1983, they came out with this squeezable kind. Now, why would they come out with a squeezable ketchup? Those of you that are old enough to remember, why would they do this? Because number one, in the glass bottle, that is the hardest bottle you will ever try to open a Heinz ketchup bottle. You'll bang it on the counter, you do everything you can. It is the hardest bottle to open. The contents are under pressure. It's sealed. But also, once you get that bottle open, a glass bottle of Heinz ketchup, I remember as a kid, see, when you turn it over, nothing comes out. I remember as a kid, we'd take a butter knife and ram it in there and try to get ketchup out. You try to bang it all over the place. You know what I did not know until this week? A glass bottle of Heinz ketchup, in fact, according to research, only 11% of you who use Heinz ketchup know this about the glass bottle. So a whole bunch of you, 89%, you're gonna learn something today. That, that's worth an extra offering. But the glass, bottle, the glass bottle of Heinz ketchup, on the neck of the bottle there is a 57. It's not just there for labeling. Based on a ton of research, that 57 is placed in the exact spot that you need to tap and the ketchup will come out of the bottle. You learned something, I did too, it's awesome. Now it won't come rushing out or gushing out, it'll come out slowly and you've gotta keep tapping. See, the first step to forgiveness is you have to be open to it. And being open to it is not, I feel open to it. Listen, forgiveness is one of those things You have to drag your feelings kicking and screaming along. You you have to be open to it. So if if you sit here and you listen and you fold your arms and you close your heart, nothing will change in your life. You will keep letting whoever hurts you and whatever hurts you live rent-free in your mind and soul. And you would hate it if they lived on your street. So why do you allow them to continue to live in your life? You've got to be open to it. And I understand that's a hard step because the contents are under pressure. The pain has created a pressure. The the hurt has created a wound. The the, the brokenness has evolved and it's all under pressure. You've gotta be open to it. But the other thing you've gotta do is you've gotta, you've gotta start tapping in the right place. You've gotta just start tapping and say, God, I'm struggling. I don't wanna forgive, God, I need your help. I know I'm supposed to, I know I need to, but this hurts so bad. God, I I don't wanna let them just get away with this. Father, I need you to do a work in my heart that is transformational, that that takes your spirit because forgiveness is a supernatural thing and I'm gonna just keep tapping at it and, and it's not gonna all just come out in one moment and everything's fine, but slowly but surely, it will begin to come out, and all of those contents that have been under pressure and been bottled up inside you that create the emotions that you feel, if you just keep tapping in the right spot, trusting the Father, talking to the Father, asking the Father for His help, you just keep tapping, and you don't quit. It's how forgiveness works. You've gotta open up, and you've gotta start tapping. How long? as long as it takes. Because forgiveness is not about keeping score, it's about losing count. And also remember, we live in a world where there's a lot of hurt. A lot of people have hurt you. A lot of families are hurting. And right now, if you're watching online and you have a family member that serves in our military in Afghanistan, or you've experienced incredible loss, the loss of a loved one's life, I want you to know as a church, we grieve with you. We are praying for you, crying out to God for you. I I want you to know that I understand those of you that that serve in the military, that give so much of yourself, family members who have family that, that serves in the military, I understand that we don't understand and we are deeply grateful for your service and your sacrifice. Those of you that lost loved ones, I also understand you deserve better. You deserve better. We're praying for that. In life, it's important to remember if you need to forgive somebody that often the bad things that have been done to you can bring out the best in you. God can do something in your life that reminds you that every person you lock eyes with is deeply loved by God but the vast majority of people you lock eyes with have been hurt, they've been wounded. I've discovered as I try to lean into forgiveness in my life and things that have happened in my life when i look at others i've discovered that i'm able to sometimes recognize oh you you act like that because you've been hurt you're acting a fool because you knew a fool you act like that because somebody's wounded you it helps you be a little more compassionate i don't expect people to be perfect life is hard i don't expect you to get it right all the time i haven't i don't expect you to just keep your chin up and take one shot after another and it's no big deal and it doesn't affect you. It does affect you. But if you will allow God, if you will keep tapping, if you'll be open to it and you'll keep tapping, the bad things that have been done to you can bring out the best in you. God can cause you to have more compassion for people. God can help you love in a different way. And when you're forgiving, God can help you live free. We know the Bible teaches in the book of Matthew chapter, chapter one, that, or in the book of Matthew that there's only one sin that will never be forgiven. I, I grew up in church and I was taught, there's one sin that will never be forgiven. It's the unpardonable sin. We find it in, in Matthew. It's blaspheming the Holy Spirit, but I, I don't think there's just one sin that will not be forgiven. In Matthew chapter six, verse 15. Jesus says, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now forgiveness, part of the reason I think we struggle with it is we have a bad definition of it. Forgiveness does not always mean reconciliation of the relationship. In fact, I know people who the people they need to forgive are dead. Forgiveness does not always mean the relationship is reconciled. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not the reconciliation of the relationship. Forgiveness is the restoration of your soul. Forgiveness is tapping and saying, Okay, God, I'm giving this to you. God, I'm, I'm giving this to you. You need to take this. I can't deal with it. I don't want it to change me the way it's changing me. So, who is it? Who is it? Are you weary? of serving the emotional and spiritual sentence that you've locked yourself up in for so long. You can begin the journey of forgiveness and healing right now. This today, today, can be your release date. If you'll make a decision that's more powerful than who or what hurts you. Would you pray with me? Father, in these moments, we need you. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If there's someone, or maybe more than one, that you know you need to forgive, and maybe you don't even want to, But if you're a follower of Jesus and what we've talked about in the verse we've just looked at, if you don't forgive, the Father won't forgive. You you know that you need to. So you're going to do your best to be open to it and to start tapping. If that's where you are, heads are bowed eyes are closed. I'd love to pray for you if there's somebody you need to forgive. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Would you just slip your hand up and put it down? Just put it up and put it down right where you are. I, I, I need to forgive somebody. Just Slip up your hand and put it down. Father, you saw the hands. You know the stories. You know the ongoing pain and hurt, frustration. That these precious people are processing day by day, sometimes ignoring, sometimes processing. I pray your spirit would help us Forgiveness is supernatural. It has to be initiated and is initiated by you. And God, we want to be a people that forgive. We want to be a people that live free. We want to be a people that recognize we've been forgiven so much that we extend that forgiveness to others. So I pray for every person that raised their hand. As they roll through this week, they would would remind themselves every day to be open to it and to be tapping. Tapping into you tapping into you, working in their hearts and lives. When they relive, they'll just forgive again. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here today and you know that the greatest need of your life is to be forgiven. To be in a place where you can know and live that God actually deeply loves you, wants to know you personally, and offers complete healing forgiveness that can make you whole. If that's where you are and you'd like to begin a relationship with Jesus and be forgiven and live forgiven and have the Spirit of God in your life to help you forgive, I wanna invite you to pray a very simple prayer. You can pray it out loud or you can pray it in the quietness of the moment. Just, Just say, dear God, I know that I need you. Jesus, please come into my life and forgive me my sin. Thank you for loving me that way. And help me to forgive others. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, would you look at me a second? If you just prayed that prayer, I'd love to know that. I want to invite you to grab your phone and just shoot me a text. Just put your first name and send the text to 407-487-8311. Just your first name. The reason I ask you to do that is this afternoon I'll get a list of those names and I would love to be able to pray for you by name today and throughout the week, so please shoot me a text because in the life of C3, you really do matter to us. I'd also love to be able to send you a free gift, so shoot the text, I'll be praying for you. We'll text back and get your info so I can mail you that gift. I'd love for you to have that because you matter. I also want you to know you're not alone. Church, I don't know if you saw it on social media, but in the last last two Sundays, 11 people have prayed to receive Christ in this room. That's incredible. It is incredible what God is doing. So whether you're in the room or watching online, man, I'm praying for you this week. I hope you have an amazing week. I can't wait to see you next Sunday. We're continuing the Made For More series. You don't wanna miss it. And this week I'm praying for you as you forgive people. Please pray for me as I need to forgive people. We're in this journey together. And let's love God and love others. Have an amazing week. God bless you.